uh, last year, I don't exactly remember what night it was, um, but one of the things that my family does is that we get together and we have these family nights. And truth be told, my kids would have movie night every night if it was up to them. Um, but we kind of have these nights once once a week where we we pick out a movie and we watch it. And so we kind of stumbled upon this movie called Togo. And um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Togo before. And um, it's it's a, a pretty amazing movie because it's based on a true story. And so I'm not going to give you the whole plot line, but 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 basically it's about this this um, this dog sled team, and specifically this dog named Togo. And it takes place in this small town in kind of nowhere Alaska. And, and the plot is, is essentially this: that that this small town um, diphtheria breaks out into this this village, and it claims a couple of the kids. A couple of kids die, and they realize that man, unless they do something, these it's going to wipe out their whole town, their whole village. And, and so what, is, what you learn about this is that there's actually a, an anti-venom. There's a serum that is, um, is able to treat the diphtheria. And so it's not lethal if you have the serum, but unlikely, or un, unfavorable for this little village is that all of theirs has expired. And so they, they do some research and they find out that the closest serum to, to save their village is 700 miles away. And that's typically not a very big deal, um, but they're kind of experiencing, it was the, the coldest um, record-breaking winter that they'd ever experienced. Uh, meaning that that no trains could um, come by their their village, no planes could fly in, and so they're just kind of faced with this bleak, um, this bleak moment where they're looking at all these kids that are getting sick and they're dying, and they realize that there's there's nothing that they can do about it in and of itself, and there's just this moment where this man steps up and and this this owner of these dogs, and he says, "I'll I'll make the trip." And it's so beautiful because what you realize is that he he volunteers and he kind of has this moment with his wife and his family where he just like, he's kind of stepping out into the unknown. It's not this guarantee that everything's going to work out, that he, he steps in, he risks his life to save his village. You don't have to go and watch the movie to, to kind of see how it unfolds. But you know, as I was just preparing for today and as, as we've been reading and praying through the book of Acts, I've loved doing that with you as our my church family. But, but one of the things that I've been so moved by, and I'm sure you've been moved by so many things as well, but one of the things that has touched my heart deeply is specifically Paul. And in particular, the, the things that Paul was willing to do, the things that he was willing to endure so that people could know Jesus. You know, and this is not always true, um, but have you ever noticed how, how so many of the, the best stories, the, the, the stories that touch our hearts, the stories that, that move us, the, the stories of heroism, it's, it's this one characteristic that, that rises to the surface that what others could gain mattered more to them than what they might lose. That in so many of the stories that we love and are drawn to, there's this characteristic that, that, that somebody, they cared more about what others had to gain than what they had to lose. Man, it's why Togo is such a, a, a moving story for our families we are watching. It, it's why reading through the book of Acts has been so inspiring. It's what's so beautiful about Jesus, that they were willing to do whatever it took, that they were willing to endure whatever came their way because they knew they had something that was so valuable, something that others needed, and they were willing to give of themselves in order that others might gain it. You know, for the past three weeks, we've, we've been reading through the book of Acts. And then on Sundays, we've been, we've been trying to kind of hit some of the highlights. And I just kind of want to recap um, what has happened real quickly this up until this point. Because, you know, we're starting in Acts chapter 20. It's like, what has happened up until this point? Especially if you're just now joining us. And so I want to give a brief recap of Acts and our teaching series. And then we'll jump into our, our teaching for today. And so, you know, the, the book of Acts begins and Jesus has been crucified. He, he, he raises from the dead. And in the words of Dave, that he Peter pans to heaven. He ascends into the heavens that he's no longer seen. He's sitting at the Father's 
right hand. And, and, and it's from that place in heaven that he pours out his spirit on every man and woman who, who puts their faith in Jesus, who follows Jesus. And so Jesus is reigning in heaven. And then God is just pouring out his spirit on people. He gets a hold of this man named Saul who becomes Paul. And Paul just starts taking this Jesus, this message of who God is and what God has done and what God is doing literally all over the ancient world. And it's in this place in Acts chapter 20 that we pick up this morning. So we've been talking about what it looks like to be a spirit-led church the first week. The second week, we talked about what it looks like to be a scattered church, how we keep preaching and keep processing at the same time. The third week, we talked about what it looks like to be a culture-shaping church. And today, we're going to talk about and look at what it means to be a self-giving church. You know, as Lucas was, was reading our passage today, I was so struck by, um, by this passage of Scripture. And I was trying to figure out what to teach this week. My assignment was Acts chapter 20 through Acts chapter 27, and obviously I wasn't going to teach all those chapters. So I had to find a, a piece to, to, to teach on. And I was just led to this passage of Scripture. And as I was reading it, what I realized is that, man, I could in not good faith write this passage of Scripture in my prayer journal. That those words, man, that I want them to be true. But the reality is, if you look at my life, if you look at the way that I live, the way things that I prioritize, man, Acts chapter 20 is not true to Brandon Steele. But I'm so encouraged because I think on the table for us today is this invitation to start letting our lives be shaped so that we can become these people. So this is what Paul says. I'm going to read it one more time. Acts chapter 20, starting in verse 22. You know, he's, he's in the midst of taking the, the gospel all over the ancient world. And this is what he writes. He says, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. We're going to look at this passage today. And there are a couple of things that I want to just kind of hone in on today, what it looks like to be a a self-giving church. And the first is this, that the Holy Spirit will lead us so often into the counterintuitive ways of Jesus that the Holy Spirit will lead us so often into the the counterintuitive ways of Jesus. And so listen to those words from 22, 23. Just just listen to this. Man, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem not knowing what's going to happen to me. I only know that in every city the Spirit warns me, the Holy Spirit, that prison and hardships are facing me. And there's so much in these these two verses, man. We could spend weeks in this. But there are a couple things I just want to draw our attention to. You know, for those of us who are followers of Jesus— I love the way that that sentence starts, compelled by the Spirit. And for those of you who who follow Jesus, you are familiar with the compelling work, uh, the compelling nature, the compelling nudging of the Holy Spirit. You you know what it's like when the the Holy Spirit is, is compelling, when he's prompting you to do something, to say something. You feel it. Right, and sometimes it's in really kind of subtle ways and you don't even realize it's the Holy Spirit until you act on it and it's kind of this eye-opening moment like, oh man, God is in this. And then sometimes it's very overt that you know that God is leading and he's inviting you to do something. Now think about a couple of, of ways that I've seen this. A couple weeks ago, there were some friends of mine that are part of our church family that were on my heart and so I was praying for them. I just kind of felt like the Lord was saying, hey, I want you just to reach out to them and just to encourage them. Tell them how thankful you are for them and for what they're, they're doing in our church family. And so I just, you know, sent them a little text like, hey, I'm th- you're on my heart this morning. Just wanted to let you know I'm so thankful for the way that you're discipling people in our church, the way that you're raising up people, the way that you're investing in people. You, you're just, you're so valuable. And our church is so different because of, of who you are and what you're doing. Just want you to know how loved you are. 
I get a text back a, a few minutes later, and the, 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 my friend, the, the, the girl, replies, and she's like, with tears in my eyes, I mean, you have no idea how timely this was. That I'm just doing something last night, I was spending some time with some leaders and just kind of woke up this morning, this morning wondering, man, is, 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 what am I, is what I'm doing impactful? Is it helping? And she's like, your text is just so what I needed to hear. And you guys know what that's like for those of you who are followers of Jesus. You have, you have been the person that the Spirit has flowed through to touch other people. You are familiar with the compelling nature of the Spirit. Man, I think about when our, our church began, I love that, that Dave and Sid were standing up here calling Sid to worship this morning. And I don't know if you noticed, like, man, it's so fun just seeing like they, the way that they love each other. Like you can just see it up here on camera, the way that they, they, they care about one another. And it's so cool because that's who they've always been. You know, I've um, been walking with Dave and Sid for a, a very long time, since 2004 when I first met them. And I remember in, in 2007 when they were when they really felt the call of the Lord on their life to, to plant a church in Nashville that would, would reach the lost, that wouldn't just be a, 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 another church on the corner, man, but that would advance the mission of Jesus all over this city and, and beyond. And so I remember that, that they kind of went into this season of just praying, just the two of them. And for six months, they were trying to discern, was, was God putting it on their heart to plant this church? And they hadn't told anybody and I remember Dave telling the story of, of his cousin one day calling him and just said, hey Dave, I was praying for you this morning and the Holy Spirit just wanted me to tell you that you need to plant that church. And it's so cool because Dave and Sid hadn't told anybody about that moment. They had no, no one else knew that they were discerning, but the Holy Spirit put it on his cousin's heart and his cousin reached out and, and you know the compelling nature of the Spirit. You know, and some of you, man, maybe you, you come into this morning and you go, man, I don't, I don't know if I've ever felt the compelling tug of the Spirit. Or I don't know if, if, if I even know what that looks like for the, to, to hear the Spirit of God. And, and what I love as we've, as we've been journeying through the book of Acts is that we learn all of these, these things that, that we can do to put ourselves in places, to, to clear our heads, to clear our hearts, to put ourselves in a place to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit. And it's really simple things. You see it in Acts chapter 10 where, where Peter is going to pray. And it's in his prayer time that the Holy Spirit speaks. I go, guys, let's not overthink this. If you, if you wanna hear the Holy Spirit, man, it's personal, private prayer time where you're just getting alone with God. Or you see it in Acts chapter 13 where, where the, the, the church, literally they were, they were in a season of, of prayer and fasting. I go, does that sound familiar? And it was in that place of prayer and communally fasting together that the Holy Spirit begins to speak. And I'm going, man, if, if, if you come in this morning, you go, I don't, I'm not familiar with the compelling nature of the Holy Spirit. These are some ways to put yourself in a place to catch the Spirit of God, to hear the Spirit, what the Lord is saying. I, I love what we see the Spirit of God doing. All throughout Acts, in this passage of Scripture, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me. Now you think about that for a minute. And, and I go, man, that the Spirit sometimes leads us to do things that cost us, that, that don't benefit us a whole lot. In fact, they, 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 they work against us. And we're gonna talk about this and hear just a, a, a more, a little bit in a minute. But what I love is, have you ever been a part of that where the Holy Spirit was leading you to do something that was counterintuitive? It didn't make a whole lot of sense logically. It didn't make a lot of sense reasonably, but, but you just felt it in your heart that, man, I have got to do this because the Spirit of God is inviting me to, to go to this metaphorical Jerusalem. I think about several years ago, um, 
I was um, about to go, it was on a Sunday morning, and, and I was about to go visit two of my friends, Ronnie and Steph, they're a part of our church, have been for a long time, and they were living at, in Haiti, in Capetian at the time, and, and they were living in an orphanage, they were literally caring for seven orphans in Haiti, just this amazing work, and so uh, I, I was going down to just spend a few days with them, just to love on them, encourage them, see what their life was like. So I remember just kind of telling our, our church family, the Marathon family, that, that morning, hey, this week I'm, I'm going to Haiti, love for you to pray, love for you to pray for Ronnie and Steph. And I remember, I'll never forget this, right after the teaching, my friend Justin Perkins, I saw Kimberlyn in the chat earlier talking, you know, there's an amazing family. Justin comes up to me and he says, hey, I know this sounds weird, he said, but I really feel like I'm supposed to go with you to Haiti. And I'm like, dude, I'm going in two days. He's like, I know, I'll get a last minute plane ticket. I'll take vacation days at work. I just feel like I'm supposed to go there with you. Is that cool? <laughs> and, and I just was so touched by this guy who, who, who was willing to, to empty his, you know, to, to empty his vacation days, to use his own money to, to go visit these people that he wasn't even, he didn't even know super well. And it was so obvious just being down there with him, watching him, him serve Ronnie and Steph and watching these kids, you know. And, and, and I was just going, man, there's something about that when you see it in other people who are willing to do the counterintuitive thing because the Spirit is inviting you to that is just right on you. See it, you affirm it, it's good. That's from God. And so often the Holy Spirit leads us to do things that are, the, that are in the counterintuitive ways of Jesus. I don't know if you got to come up here to the, to the prayer stations last week, but Jen Barnett had put together these amazing prayer stations. And, and on one of the stations, there was this, this quote, and I took a picture of it. And it was a quote from John Wesley. And it was a, you know, he's a, the, the man who started the, the Methodist church movement. And, and there was this quote that, that he would repeat to the, to, to the people that were following him as their kind of renewal of their covenant. And this is what he wrote. He says, commit yourselves to Christ as his servants. Give yourselves to him, that you may belong to him. Christ has many services to be done. Some are easy and honorable, and others are more disgraceful and difficult. Some are suitable to our inclinations and our interests. Others are contrary to both. In some, we may please Christ and please ourselves, but then there are other works where we cannot please Christ except by denying ourselves. And as I was wrestling with that this week, as I was wrestling with Acts chapter 20, man, I go, man, so much inside of me just wants control. Man, just, just, just wants to, to hold on to my comfort. And what I realized is that, man, just like fasting, have you ever noticed how, how when you only think about what you're giving up, fasting is terrible? <laughs> like if you just sit around all day and you're thinking about the things that you're setting aside, it's no fun. But if you, if you can think about not what you're giving up, but what you're getting, man, it just makes you want more. And so is the same with the Holy Spirit. When you think about letting go of control or of comfort, man, you never want that. But when you go, man, I can have more full life with Christ. To be led by the Holy Spirit, man, you, you want that. I go, to, to think about this, to, for you to be able to walk in such closeness, such intimacy, to hear so clearly from the Holy Spirit, man, for, for you to have such good friendship with the Holy Spirit that he can say, hey, hard things are coming your way because he knows you won't self-select out because he knows that you're a man or a woman that can handle it and God loves to prepare us the same way that he did Peter where he revealed it to Peter that his life was almost over. I go, man, are we walking with that much trust and that much dependence on the Holy Spirit where God can reveal to us whatever he wants because he knows we're not gonna abort the mission? And one of the things that we learn if we wanna be a self-giving, other-focused church 
is that we let the Holy Spirit lead us into the counterintuitive ways of Jesus. And it's not always. Maybe but there are some times where it doesn't make a lot of sense. The second thing that we learn, I think, from Paul in this passage of Scripture is that the Holy Spirit will lead us to share Jesus. Verse 24. It's what Paul writes. He says, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race, complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. I mean, something that has stood out to me as we've been reading through Acts is, is how many different individuals and groups of people personally opposed Paul. And I went through and I just kind of wrote all these out. I'm not going to share them all this morning, but there were so many different people that were aggressive and hostile and hated him. And, and so you see it in Acts chapter 13 where it says this group in verse 50, they stirred up persecution against Paul and Barnabas. They expelled him from the region. Think about this, to be expelled from the city of Nashville, to be expelled from Creve Hall because of your what your commitment to Jesus. Or you see it in Acts chapter 14 that some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. They won over the crowd and they stoned Paul. They dragged him outside the city thinking he was dead. Or you see it in Acts chapter 16, verse 22, the, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas. The magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they'd been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison. Their feet were fastened in stocks. You see it in Acts 23, verse 12, where it says the next morning some Jews formed a conspiracy and they bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink until they had killed Paul. And I go, guys, this was his life. That, that every time, man, he would, he would go into a city and it's like he would face all this opposition. He'd get kicked out. He'd get physically beaten. He would get abused. He would get verbally abused, man. And then he would find his way into this new city and start teaching over and over and over. And you look at Paul and you go, man, the guy is relentless. Discouragement, disappointment did not stop him. And I think it's because Paul knew that it was more valuable for them these people who were opposing him, hated him, didn't want anything to do with him, he knew it was more valuable for them to have a chance to hear about Jesus than it was for him to hold on to his own comfort, his own safety, his own life. I go, guys, Paul was a normal guy just like you and I, a guy who'd been changed by the grace of God. And I go, you know, sometimes I read Paul's story and, and I compare it to my life and I'm like, man, if, if I had this moment where I'm walking to, to, you know, walking down the street and I get blinded from heaven and, you know, for three days I sit in darkness, I have this vision of this man named Ananias coming to me and, and he comes to me and he touches me at my, my eyes and then scales fall from my eyes. Like, I think I would probably be, you know, like Paul as well. I think I'd be that devoted, but the reality is Man, the grace of God has come into my life. The grace of God has come into your life. And maybe you haven't had scales fall from your eyes. It's a matter of faith. And Paul really understood that he had been saved by the grace of God. And what the Lord was showing me this week is that while Paul most certainly loved people and while he wanted people to know Jesus, you know who he ultimately loved? Jesus. And he understood that, that Jesus... The real physical Jesus saved him. That, that Jesus died to, to pay for all of his sins. That, that Jesus rose from the dead and he appeared to him in the midst of his darkest days and Jesus didn't show up and condemn him, but he invited him to be his vessel through which the graciousness of God would be preached to the ends of the earth. Paul loved Jesus. 
And Paul knew that it pleased Jesus when people turned to him. He knew that, that how, how happy it made the heart of God when, when people would step into life with him. And so for Paul, it was worth laying down his life to make Christ happy, that Christ could gain more and more people. I love that Paul writes, my only aim is to finish the race. You know what he's saying there? My aim is to be with Jesus. Guys, it drove him. The way he spent his time, the way he spent his life, knowing that Christ would either return or that he would die and that one day he was, he was going to meet Jesus. And so it's true for us. That each and every one, every one of us, whether you believe him or not, whether your faith is weak or strong, there will be a moment where you realize that Jesus Christ, everything that's written in Scripture about him is absolutely true. You will stand face to face with this God. And that could either be a moment of dread, man, because you spent your life rejecting him and running from him and quenching the spirit. Or that reality could be a moment that drives us because we realize that in this life, we've experienced his life in part. And we know that when we meet him, we'll experience it in fullness. The fullness of his love, the fullness of a God that would take on flesh and would die for you so that you would not have to spend life away from him. And so Paul kept speaking that Jesus might gain more people in his family, that others might gain Jesus. You know, what's so cool about Paul is that, man, sometimes it was just obvious where the Holy Spirit wanted him to go. Acts chapter 16, he has this vision, this man from Macedonia, hey, come over here. This is, and so he decides in that dream, that's God talked to me, I gotta go to Macedonia. And, and, and we all have those moments where you just kind of feel it burning, where God is inviting you to go somewhere, to do something. I remember this last year happening to me where I was really personally challenged as we were reading through Luke chapter 10, teaching through Luke chapter 10 and Awaken. And, and, and the, the part of that passage that, that Jesus says, go. And he doesn't say, as you go, he says, go. And what I realized is that I think part of what it means to follow Jesus is that we're supposed to set aside time in our life to specifically go and to reach the lost. And so I'd, I started setting aside time in my day, in my week, to doing this. And so I remember just um, waking up one morning and just um, this specific coffee shop being on my heart. And so I, I get up and I, and, I, and I get ready and I drive to that coffee shop. I'm just praying, God, do whatever you want to do here. I remember walking into this coffee shop and, and, and kind of looking around and going, man, is there someone here you want me to talk to, God? Will you highlight it? Would you bring it to the surface? I remember going to, to order my coffee and I strike up this conversation with this guy. And I don't even remember how we got there, but, but all of a sudden he starts opening up to me. And I realize that this guy has a whole history and past with Jesus. But man, he has walked away from the Lord. This guy begins to tell me that, that man, when, when he was younger, he was actually a missionary in Chicago committed to, to sharing Jesus all over Illinois. And he didn't tell me about what happened, but something happened in his life. And he walked away from the Lord. He's been running away from the Lord ever since. And so I get to stand there that morning and I said, man, I don't know if you believe this, but I believe that your better days are not behind you, that they're in front of you. And I said, I don't know if you buy into this or not, but this morning I was praying and asking the Lord where he wanted me to go. And I believe the Lord led me right here for you to know that Jesus loves you, that he's not done with you. You know, he just kind of shrugged it off, didn't really think much about it. And I'm going, guys, I believe that as his followers, there will be these moments 
where the Lord will lead us, where he will invite us to go into specific places and to share him. But it's not always like that. You know, what you also see in the life of Paul is that so often he was just going about his life with the priority of talking about Jesus. With the priority, it's what his passion was. For him to talk about who God was and what God has done in his life, for others to, to know him, he had something that others needed and nothing was gonna keep him from sharing that. And because of it, man, our whole world, we know Paul. Man, because he cared more about others knowing Jesus, what they might gain, than what it would cost him. And guys, I just wanna just speak a couple of just real quick pastoral words as we, as we kind of wrap up today, man. Let's, we, we can't be concerned with the results. You know, as you share Jesus, so many people, they don't want anything to do with it. It's not gonna be the right time, man. You're gonna look like an idiot. You're gonna fail. It's gonna, you're gonna stumble over your words. You're serving Jesus, okay? You're doing this because you know how much it pleases God's heart, how much they need Jesus. So the pressure's not on you for the results. I also wanna share, don't, don't, don't be concerned if it feels unnatural at first. Man, anytime you start doing something that you haven't been doing, it feels unnatural. Go to the gym if you haven't gone to the gym in years. It feels so unnatural. <laughs> Your body hurts for four days afterwards. It's unnatural, right? It's uncomfortable. The same is true when we start getting serious about sharing Jesus. And I just wanna encourage you to, to think about this, you know, because I know that my tendency so often, it's like I know that I, I wanna be doing this. I know that I wanna share Jesus. I know how much I love Jesus. I, and I know that I want, but there's something so often that comes in between me and, and sharing, and it's this block. And I want you to really just wrestle with me. Why do you love Jesus? Like, personally, why do you love him? And, and what, is, what has the Lord done in, in your life, not in someone else's life? And what's the Lord doing right now? And I go, guys, may, may we be a people that know that we have something to give to the world. And may we be a people that, that understand that it is worth others gaining even if it costs us everything. So this morning, man, as, as, as we wrap up, um, I, I wanna just, you know, pray for us. And, and there are lots of things that we could do here. You could give us some, you know, some key takeaways, but I just felt like, man, I know that inside of us as his followers, that we all want people to know Jesus, that we all have people in our lives that, that don't know him. And here in a minute in communion, we're gonna kind of wrestle with some of these questions. I encourage you to do that with your at-home gathering. But I just wanna pray for us and ask God, God, would you remove any hindrances in our hearts and any hurdles? And God, would you put this same heart that's in Paul in us so that our, our kids and so that our women and so that our men, man, that this is true of Ethos Church. So this is, this is true of the church worldwide, that we don't care what it costs us because we, have no, we, we know that we have something the world needs. Because I just want to invite you right now, put out your hands in front of you. And I'm just going to pray a pastoral prayer over us. Father, you know my heart. And you know that, that there are so many moments that I am just all in. And, and, I, and I want to share you. And, and I'm, there are moments like right now where even as I'm preaching this, I just feel some resistance in my own heart. And Lord, I, I pray for our, our family, Father. I pray for our family, for your sons and your daughters. And God, if anything that I said today kind of puts this like guilt or the shame or this pressure on us that we should be doing it, would you, 
It's not with my intention, and you know that. Would you remove that? And God, would you give us just a passion? Would you give us a clarity, the same clarity that Paul had, the same clarity that you had, Jesus? That, that we have something that the world needs, and, and I pray that, that we would be more concerned with them getting it and it costing us something great than us hoarding it and not costing us anything. And so, Lord, help us not to play it safe. Would you give us really thick skin and really big hearts? God, would you, would you lead us, Holy Spirit, in places of, of doubt and fear? God, overcome that by the power of your Holy Spirit so that we can, we can tell others of you and the places and the people that we're afraid to go. God, remove that fear. Help us to see that what, what they have to gain is worth it. And so, God, give us a fearlessness. Give us fresh faith. Give us a fresh fire of the Holy Spirit. Confidence that you lead us the same way that you led Paul. God, we want the city to know you. We want the city to walk with you, to be forgiven of their sins, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want your healing to come. We want the chains to fall. We want injustice to be done away with. We want brokenness to be healed. We want you, God, and what only you can offer. And so we just pray, Jesus, forgive us when we look to other things, when we look to ourselves, when we look to people. We look to you. Fill us afresh. God, let your words stick to us. Let any words that were from me fall to the ground. God, as we turn our hearts back to worship and communion, fill our living rooms, fill our, our rooms, God. Fill wherever we're gathered this morning. Fresh confidence, a fresh fire. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you, Bethos. Let's worship.